Hello, I'm Claire Southworth and welcome to a very special edition of Talking Flutes. My guests today are probably the most famous musical couple in the world today. Their contribution to the music world is immeasurable. They are Sir James and Lady Jeannie Galway. Hello, both of you. Well, hello, Claire. Hello, Hi, Talking Claire. Flutes. Hi. <laughs> How it's wonderful to speak to you and to see you from your home in Switzerland. I was wondering whether you have lots of snow or just rain like us. Well, there's snow up the hill, I just heard. Uh, we have the rain, um, but we did have snow earlier today, didn't we? Yes. And, la it... and last week we had a lot of snow, but I'm sure we're going to have a white Christmas, so I'm excited. <laughs> that would be lovely. Now, firstly, Sir James, I'd really like to wish you a very happy birthday for this week. Thank you. How did you celebrate? Well, we had a few friends and and we we had cupcakes and uh, I tried two different whiskeys. <laughs> <laughs> Only two. Well, yeah, well, that's all I was allowed. <laughs> what you should tell her about your whiskey. Uh, Twenty nine years ago, I bought a a big cask of whiskey from Aaron Distilleries that it just started up and now it's 20 it's 20 uh well, it's 20, it? 25 this year it's gonna oh be, yeah. it'll be 25 years old this year wow so i'm gonna wait till the 25th day <laughs> then i'm gonna bottle it and start drinking it so we're looking we're thinking of a name we'll have to see how we're gonna do this it'll be but it's very good isn't yeah. it yeah oh it's great whiskey oh wonderful now You've both contributed so much to the flute and the music world. So it's, it's basically very difficult to know where to start. You know, I'd love to reminisce about the past and celebrate all of your achievements, your performances, recordings, teachings. But I don't think we've got enough time to cover everything. But if I maybe start by saying, Sir James, you're the reason that so many of us play the flute. You're the reason that so many of us are in work today. And both of you have worked so tirelessly and hard as ambassadors for promoting the flute and performance and education with, with so much energy, I should add. So in a career where you've achieved so much, what would you say would be your highlights? That's, that's difficult to say because... Uh... You know, some of the highlights are sort of like pop tune presentations and others would be uh, real high-end classical. I think Annie's song was a, a, a very special contribution to... I remember that so well. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it was uh, sort of in, in all the, on all the televisions, on the radio, it was huge, a huge hit song, wasn't it? Yes. And it As was, a matter of fact, I think it, I think it got the second on the pop charts and the, 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 uh, the one that was first on it, on the pop charts didn't, didn't even have words. I think it was a thing that went like this. I remember that one too. So, I mean, yes, it's a very difficult question because there are so many highlights for you, but when you when you think of your early days when you first launched out as an international soloist, 
you always gave the impression that it was all so easy, whether you were doing a big uh, prom concert or whether you were doing Annie's song. You had so much, so many performances and so much traveling. How did you cope with it all? Did you did you find it difficult or did it all come very easily to you? Well, I was trained in the opera, so we used to go on tour for six weeks at a time. So I got I got the training from the touring training from the opera, and uh, of course, I had I had a very good basic technique. That's which... an understatement, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, if if you want to have any sort of career, you really have to have a technique like that, because you know people call you up and they say, "Would you would you play, for example, on TV the uh, Sean Roseman?" And, okay, next week they'd ask you to play something else, and it would progress like until it got to things like the uh, uh, Goddard Waltz which is really difficult piece to bring off to, yes. just to play the notes <laughs> it's really difficult and you know if you, if you have that up your sleeve already along with the C major sonata or Bach allegro movement the, these are all good things to have ready to go I suppose part of your legacy is that you could say that you raised the bar so high in terms of the level of flute playing I was wondering what's your thoughts today about the level of flute playing worldwide? Well, I, I think there are some very, very good players around. I mean, Denis Boryakov, uh, Stefan Hoskelson come to mind. Yes. I mean, these, these Gareth guys, Davies. Gareth Davies Kirsten and McCall. Kirsten McCall. I mean, these guys are killers. And many of your younger students too. Yeah, a lot of my younger students who really got it together. <laughs> But you, you know, you started the you started the ball rolling. You're the one that sort of brought the flute into the consciousness of of so many of us, and got us all started. So we've got well, a lot to be grateful for. Well, I mean, I did my best to push the bar, as you say. Yeah. So you know what I love? I think that my husband never, um, and this is why I love that you're doing this today, Claire. And uh, I always say to him that part of what we do with the Galway Flute Academy is I want him to see how much uh, these kids appreciate him and how much he's done for the world. Because many times we don't celebrate people when they should be celebrated. And because uh, as he'll just say, well, you know, I just play, and you've heard it many times, I just play the flute. I just keep practicing. And like now he'll pull out, he'll always say to the kids, because uh, we've been doing these at-home series, you know, during the pandemic to keep yeah. everyone a bit motivated. And he'll just pull out the taffanel and he'll just go right through the taffanel and he'll tell them each page and he keeps playing it and playing it and playing it and you know it's just it's such a, a part of your life but also I mean you just so believe in in that discipline in that and mm -hmm. I think that's what's so wonderful to impart that and to impart the experience that there are no shortcuts right no there aren't I mean as a kid growing up my teacher Muriel Dawn was a student of Jeffrey Gilbert but she was a professional singer and she uh, she got me going on the Moyes scales. Well, first time I opened a scale book of Moyes, I nearly dropped dead. I think <laughs> I was all of 11 years old or 12. And I thought, what is this? <laughs> and I just started doing the ones that I could do, you know, for example, uh, C major, F major, D minor, these sort of scales, which are easy 
When I say easy, <laughs> I mean relatively easy to play. And uh, then, of course, the Moyes moves into a lot of uh, arpeggios and things like this. So I, I did my best with that lot. And then I I got a scholarship to go to London to study with John Francis. And I thought, great, no more scales. Wrong. <laughs> John pressed the button on scales and off we went. <laughs> and he was a very good teacher, by the way, because he, he realized what was necessary for an up-and-coming flute player to know. We spent a lot of time on orchestral excerpts. And every time I, I had a gig, uh, if it was a Haydn symphony, I already knew all the, the big Haydn symphonies. And I knew the Beethoven symphonies because John taught me those. And uh, then uh, I, got a, I moved from the college to the uh, Guildhall to study with Geoffrey Gilbert. And I thought, great, no more scales. Wrong. Scales with extra notes at the top and the bottom. <laughs> Jeffrey didn't take any prisoners. <laughs> he certainly didn't. <laughs> I still remember his morning morning warm ups at at flute summer schools. Yeah, they were quite terrifying. He had he had phenomenal technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, then I I got to go to the Paris Conservatoire, where I thought no more scales. Wrong. We had two lessons a, a week. One was exclusively on scales. Mm-hmm. And you had to play for three quarters of an hour in front of the class. Just the Moise. We did the Moise uh, daily exercises. So one one week we would do A, B, C, D. The next week, maybe the same. And the next, following week, E, F, G, H. And as you know, these are all the key to the working of the, the Moise scales. And the other lesson we had was on interpretation. So we would learn one piece a week and and the scales we also had included in the scales was a study and you had to learn one study of opus 15 of anderson each week so that was my training and then i got a job in the in the opera well so that's probably why you made it sound so easy then because of all that that training beforehand yeah, well, it was because, I mean, when you think, uh, when I was at the Paris Conservatoire, I think I practiced five or six hours every day. And when you add that up to six months, that's an awful lot of scales, isn't it? That's an awful lot of scales. And you haven't stopped practicing, have you? No, I still, I'm still struggling with half an hour <laughs> and go go there. 14 and 15, <laughs> or 15 and 16. I think that your organization of your practice, I think that's really a big part of, of your uh, solid technique. Also, you're very organized, but your breathing, you always talk about that, that you learned that when you were young, and that has really, really helped you. Yes, it did. Uh, I would advise any flute player to get a book on singing and read the first chapter on breathing and apply it to your flute playing. That's great advice. Absolutely super advice. So how do you both keep in flute shape today besides your Tafnil and Gobert? Oh. I think, well, we play duets. Yeah, we do, but... We do, I but... Mean, playing Tafnil and Gobert every day, that's that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. To keep enough. in shape. I mean, there's a... Uh, when I say I play Tafnil and Gobert, it's 
never less than three quarters of an hour. Thing too with the with the tone exercises. Also, many times he'll just come in my room and he'll he'll say, "Try it like this. Just try it like that to engage you all the time." And of course, you know, now it's been a while since we're out there playing, and the repertoire is not so much in the mind, and the concerts are not in the mind. But of course, we're we're giving lessons, in, and uh, this week will be a live streaming. So uh, we start focusing, like any good teacher would, on. Uh, the exercises that you're going to teach but um, for me I'm so fortunate because in the next room sits James Galway and I listen to how he approaches all the time and it's always uh, engaging let's put it that way if there's a tone exercise it's never meditating on the note or anything like that so it's this engagement I think that you go to your practice session with you know a lot of people in the flute world swear by Moises Sonorate and they never read the, the text. The very first thing he says is, this method does not guarantee a good tone. I mean, there it is right there. Why not? Mm -hmm. So you have to use his method as a basis. Instead of, instead of meditating on B natural for mm -hmm. half an hour, you take it and play and you make a little exercise up based on the sonority. I love that you always say that you make an, um, an exercise out of the etude. You make an exercise out of what you're practicing. Or when you're working with me, you'll say, okay, pl uh, just play this tune. Now play it in uh, half a step down, a whole step down. So you can get yourself engaged all the time. And I think that especially these days, we have to really keep ourselves engaged. You know, one, one of the things I like to do is play pieces in different keys. Yeah. For example, you know, the Mozart D major, I think I could play it easily in, in E flat. <laughs> I think you were playing it the other day. Weren't you playing it oh. in a, <laughs> You were. You were teaching, and you were playing it in a different key, and then I think it was Rebecca or somebody came on to play it in another key. I think it was the Mozart. Or, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very funny. Actually. But that, that, that was a cadenza. I couldn't remember what key it was in. <laughs> Talk about getting old, getting talk, old. No, getting talk, old. To, talk about flexibility. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> but very simple pieces like, and even Moise points us out in, in part five of the sonority, those little melodies he has, you, you try them in different keys. Why do you try them in different keys? To train your embouchure, to get a hold on the intonation. For example, the F major Handel Sonata, which goes Well, you can play it up a tone or up a semitone. And once you get used to this, you you have a different bird's eye view at the intonation. Because when you play it an F, you get used to playing, correcting the notes like A, B, C, flipping the C down because it's always sharp. And then when you do it up a semitone, it's they're C sharp. That requires a different embouchure from when you're playing it in F. If you play an F sharp, you need to, you need to take care of a whole set of different notes. These are skills that I think have, have been lost, I think, that people should do do a, a lot more of these exercises and playing different keys. Oh, they should. They should, definitely. 
One of the nicest things I always like is that you incorporate that, I always call it James Galway's daily warm-up, the one that you wrote for my students that time that incorporates right away playing um, in, in different keys, but da-da-dee-da-da-dee-da-da. It brings right into an arpeggio going down. So you, ha you have your first your first three notes, the scale B, C sharp, D, and then you, you'll go down to, to the major arpeggio. So right away, you know, your ear has to be trained instead of just meditating. So what you're doing there is you're playing in, in uh, B minor mm -hmm. and then F sharp major. Mm -hmm. And when you play in B minor, you have a, you come across F sharp major as a dominant. And what what are the notes you have to play there? Are C sharp, <laughs> your old friend. Yeah. It, it gets to the point where you you can pick up any flute and just automatically play it in tune. Yep. The, the hardest notes. Is it wild or mild? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sometimes when I'll be uh, doing something with my husband, he'll say to me, that note is sharp. I'll say, ah, oh, it's sharp. And he'll say, that note is sharp. That note will always be sharp. It will always be sharp. So you always have to, you know, get down there. And I think that, yeah, intonation is a big one. I mean, that's what we, we had some of our guest artists this summer. I said to Robert Langevin, you know, principal flutist of the New York Philharmonic, they just had the big audition for co-principal flute. I said, what do you listening for and he says well the flexibility flexibility in style rhythm and intonation all very important things just moving on a bit i love the way you've both adapted to the restrictions that we've had this year with the pandemic you're doing you're giving back so much with your online lessons and classes and and of course available to players all around the world now with 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 the technology we have so right. I was having a little look through things. You've got your Flute Academy, First Flute, your Gorwick Foundation, your uh, Flute Festival. And the new one, is it sort of Live Learn? Yeah, Live Learn, yeah. Um, Live Learn was um, actually, concept came years ago, and uh, but we had never had the time to really put it into place. And the idea was that one time in the month or whenever we were back from tour, there would be a day when students could come online and ask Sir James whatever they'd like, where they could write in ahead of time, and maybe he would talk about tone that day and maybe go bear or something like this with interpretation. And, and so that was the idea, but of course now everything is, online and it, and it hit me the other day when I saw in my notes live learn and, and, and I thought well we really have to get this live learn thing going because as we're looking forward everything is going to be online at least for us because we have to stay safe I mean we know that here in Europe a lot of our friends are doing concerts and classes and they're planning their festivals next summer but um it's very important for us, our health, and especially my husband's with this virus. And so everything's online. So we we are working very hard at the moment behind the scenes to get this whole live learn website and everything up. But what it will incorporate is everything online, really. So the live learn series will have a basis every month um, that students will log in. We're, we have a platform we're building. And in that login, they're going to get everything they need, for instance, Q&As and interviews with his friends, Ladies Hour with me. I can interview you. Talk about lipstick. Talk it. No, Sir James will serve tea. That's what he says. And uh, our our colleagues with the business Did of music. Did you say how to serve tea? No, you're going to serve tea. Oh, I thought 
That was a woman's job. I can hear hear all the women. (laughs) I hear all the women screaming at me. But um, so basically the live learn, we're bringing it in slowly because it takes quite a while to build the platform and the lessons and everything. But my, I, I I feel that this legacy of my husband really has to be really put down and really organized because everything we've been doing has been in conjunction with the tour we've always been touring we come home or we're online and we do this we have the festival and and but for me i really want as you would know claire because you lived at this time when you remember him uh, with that influence to really bring his teachings to everyone and he has so many great ideas for instance you want to have your your eight on this so the live learn series will basically be each month will be structured. We'll have master classes with Sir James, with myself, and with guest artists. We'll have interviews. We'll have our Q and A's where they write in. But then we're going to have Sir James's um, eight, uh, corner, and he's going to introduce whatever he wants to work on. For instance, you want to do your etude corner, right? Yes. You want to explain about that? Well, you know, when when uh, kids play their etude for the teacher. The general response is, okay, learn the next one for next week. I'm sure you've come across that. Well, there are so many things you can get from a, a, a study. It's hard to put them all down at once. But some of the studies that I like the best are the ones that I've made additions of, like the Boom Caprices, Curler, Easy Exercises, so he says, until you try to play them things like that and I think when you look at uh, for example curler the very first one which is to do, deal with the articulation namely but we don't want to hear it has to get into the flow of the piece and then eventually uh, there's one bit about five lines down in the middle of the page G E G E G E G E. Why not A flat F A flat F A flat F A flat A F A F B flat G flat. You know, a little exercise like that, and you do that in order not to hit the keys, to practice soft touch, because a soft touch guarantees a beautiful legato. And then it moves on, and there's a a third section in which goes. And octaves, so you practice the octaves so you can do William Tell dead easy, you know, these sort of things. And then the second etude, which is a bit more, bit more obscure, has to do with the right hand. Is that the second one? I can go get the book. Go get the book. I'll go get the book. We should know it. Now we can talk about it. <laughs> oh, careful, careful, careful what you say when Lady Jean is not there. <laughs> so this must be interesting for you because you've be, probably been at home for a long time compared to recent years because of the pandemic. You've had a lot of, ch- of chance to plan things. Yeah, we've been at home since uh, July, uh, since March fourteenth. Wow, long time. It is a long time. And uh, I felt very lethargic through this period. And I think now I'm coming out of it because uh, you, you just can't get used to a new way of life. Oh, it's the arpeggios. Like the arpeggios. 
I was thinking of a different book. No, it isn't. That's a no you. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing what you learn when you sit this beside what, your this wife. This is what our dinner conversation is usually. Right. <laughs> it's bar five, second line down, and it goes dee da 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 so this, the, the right hand is always difficult for the flute, you know, because it incorporates the little finger a lot, especially when you go down the octave. And this thing, dee-da-da-da-dum, then an octave higher, dee-da-da-da-dum. If you do that a semitone higher each time, you can benefit greatly from little chromatic thing included in it. I know, and, and sequences, they're, they're my favourite things. I think they have so much uh, benefit to players to make little sequential patterns out of, yeah. out of passages. Yeah. And that's really what you're saying, isn't it? Yes, yes. And another, another thing, you know, people look at this um, Taffanel first exercise mm-hmm. as it's not necessary to do it up an octave because it's the same fingering. But in fact, it is very necessary to do it on octave because it's a completely different overture. You know, it starts on low D, then the next one is on middle D. And if you're really courageous, you can take it up another octave. Then the, the, the second exercise in the Tafanel is the same like the first, except in minor key. And then you come to number three, which is scales, but scales in a different way. There's a pattern. First of all, it's in C major, and it starts on low C and goes to C3, and back, and up, and back, and up, and back, and up, and back, up and down, up and down, up and down, you see? And then the next day, when you do the same thing, you just put your thumb on the thumb key, and it's automatically in F, but you start on low C, right? Yeah. And this is a good, and you know, doing the articulation, I mean, I don't do all that articulation because some of it is a bit corny uh, and you never really use it anyway. But, you know, Taffanel was uh, a stickler for routine and he got really into it. And then number number four is the famous one with all the scale, all the major minor scales. Number five is chromatic scale, but nobody ever practiced that because they understand what a chromatic scale is, so they don't need to practice it. <laughs> really, really. Imagine when you have to play things like the Chaminade, all those chromatic scales and a bunch of chromatic scales. Fly to the bumblebee. Yeah, that's something else. Well, the Fourier Fantasy. Yeah, for example. I mean, all of them, everything. They're, they're all over the place. And the, the Swiss Shepherds got a, a whole bunch of them. The An Afternoon of a Fawn. I mean, everything has. Uh, the Anesco. Yeah. The very last couple of bars is just a chromatic scale right up the top G. Yep. And if you have a good hold on that exercise, then... It, you'll you'll come across as having a, a really flashy technique, you know, and it goes on like that, and then it comes a whole bunch of arpeggios which you have, you have to practice. <laughs> you know, I think, Lady Gina, you might have to get all these things down in a book. Will you want to help me? Yeah, I'll help you. Oh, I would love many that. important things here. 
I know. Well, this is why it's so important for me to get this this series going because this is it. You know, this is what I was saying to my team because uh, when you look at the the back end of what you have to do to produce something online, it's like we did our festival last year. It's so much work. I mean, it's much easier when you can just walk in a room and you can teach or you could talk into a microphone like this and someone records it. But to really put it down structured, but it's really important. And one of the things that I've been really pushing him for, he has a great recording that he did of when he went on tour doing the the box sonatas years ago and it's a live recording and we hear this and i'm listening to this and i'm thinking oh you were breathing there oh you're breathing there now i've been listening to his playing for years and i'm constantly learning i'm thinking i really have to listen to this stuff because i'm teaching these pieces and and he's breathing his breathing really makes sense and then i said to him you have got to do a series on the box sonatas because this is and so I want that in one of his corners the box sonatas and then you talked about uh, so we're, we're still trying to push him on that one yeah let me ask you this Claire <laughs> do you know anybody who's played live on stage all the box sonatas oh no I don't neither do I <laughs> sounds like well there's a, there's a good that's reason for the 2021 how fantastic <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. I have to tell you that it must be more than 40 years ago, you you were you recorded, it was for radio, the Bach Sonatas. And I I I taped it off the radio onto an old cassette. And they were absolutely stunning. Yeah. And and I don't have that recording anymore. They were it, they were just they were so good. Uh, I'd never heard them being played like that before. It they, it was a long long time ago. You must have still been either in the Berlin Phil or maybe even. Before. No, I wasn't. No. First left. Right? It was when I first left the Berlin. When you Phil. first left. Yeah. You know, here's here's a, an interesting point. When people leave an orchestra to make a solo career. They think, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll play Takamitsu and maybe Burio or something like this. And they get on this modern music and it's a real turn off for your career because the audience doesn't want to listen to that. They don't. They want to hear any song and all that stuff that I did and interspersed with the box sonatas and with the Beethoven serenade and things like that. They want to hear the classics. They do they want, want to hear the They want to hear some virtuosity and some really interesting flute playing. So would you say then that um, we've got something lovely to look forward to next year, all the Bach sonatas in a performance? Well, I don't know, no, I don't about, know about performance, about that. but he will be teaching them. <laughs> Actually, you want to hear something funny, Claire? So yesterday I got an email. It came from our manager in America, and she says, oh, we just got an offer for April 2022. And we go, April 2022? You really think we want to go back on the road again? <laughs> but it's a great concert, and it was full fee, and it's in Palm Beach, and it's great. Oh, it's in a great concert it's a hall, great Concert hall. Fantastic. Well, it's because also you still sell that concert hall out. And, you know, yeah. they remember this. Promoters remember this. But it's the, in, again, we use that word engagement. It's that engagement in the audience. And this is one of the things also we try to talk to the students about. And uh, don't you love, if you've ever seen on Facebook, Claire, where someone says, I've got a recital in a month. What do you think I should play? <laughs> 
too um, late. <laughs> but the engagement and how to how to put uh, you know you, little things that you you and I think people the students understand like how to put put a good recital together and these are the kind of things also that we hope to bring into the live learn series and also getting our manager on there who came and talked to us at our flute festival and also Graham Parker who's the head of, of DECA Universal in America and like he said to the students flat out he says you you have to bring me something special because I don't want another Mozart concerto because if I hear if I want Mozart concerto I'm going to press James Galway and you know I thought whoa <laughs> But what he's saying is this is the business of the music. So we're hoping also to bring bring this in this live learn. Not hoping, we are. We are bringing on all these people that we know throughout his career that are in the business because because we know everyone and and we can just make a phone call and they're all I have to say that everyone is so happy to help these students. And it's it's a great thing because you know you you hear really terrific players. Because we, we only ask players who are solo flutes in the big orchestras. Oh, that's with our guest artists. Yeah, that that's another thing too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so part of what what we want to do is we want to bring everything to them because my experience has been so unique. Um, learning, watching him, watching him on and off stage, how he prepares for a concert. You know, all these years, and even as, as he's gotten older and still, you know, this steadfastness with always being prepared. Yeah. How do you how do you work on the road? I mean, you'll know too, Claire, that it's a, it's a shock when you first start going on the road and you don't have time to practice. It and is. we were sharing the same hotel room. So, you know, you find your way in that. <laughs> yeah. And I always practice in the bathroom because it's very rewarding, you know. No, but you learn. And so I tell the students this. I say little things like, for instance, before you get to, to your destination, you've already written to the promoter and make sure that you have a room at the hall to practice in. And you Available. never you never demand that you can have that stage. You don't make any demands. Little things like this you don't know if you don't have the experience. As my manager will always say that, you know, the promoters have um, memories like elephants. They don't forget. And no one wants a high-maintenance soloist because they don't need them. Contract writing, we're going to get into too, but really the whole crooks um, is teaching the flute. And he also wants to, which is great, teach orchestral excerpts. Really focus on that. And your idea of teaching them, you want to share that about your Beethoven symphonies? and Well, for example, Beethoven 5, there's a whole stack of flute solos in there. And Beethoven 2, there's a great scale, G major. I was on C major, but starts on G. And that goes really quick. So if you're good on your scales, you get that. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's so much in that. Now, I, I know, Lady Jean, you have such a strong social media presence and, and you're using those platforms to support and engage all, all these students. I mean, you're, you're really sort of nurturing and mentoring yeah. all the time it's such a, a you know a fantastic thing that you're that that you're you're both doing so what are your plans for the for the next year well the first one is to stay safe so you're not traveling 
No. No. Okay. No, we had even, uh, no, well, first of all, everything in America has been canceled. Anything we would want to do in Ireland or London or England, it's just you can't depend on anything. No. We're not even going to go to Italy to do a, con we'd love to, wouldn't you love to play Vivaldi with Solis Divinity and sure. all these things, and we can't think that way. So really it's going to be working on, on this legacy, this this Live Learn series, and I would like to get some funding because I'd like to get our or uh, flutes and hands, flutes and little hands, flutes and hands also going. Um, we were, we had a drive for my husband's 80th birthday last year, which was 80 flutes in um, for the 80th birthday. And so, and we met that right away. They haven't yet been handed to the organizations, but uh, one of them will be um, Future Talent, which we we support here in the UK. And, uh, you know, he's very, he's an ambassador also for uh, Help Musicians UK and all this. So our efforts right now are going towards building uh, the project because we feel that we can do more uh, by helping them from behind you know how on every every area of the career because as, as you always say when this opens up you have to be ready right right yes yes you know you know I was going to tell you another thing that I did I played all six Vivaldi flute concertos and in the first part of the concert, and then the second part, I played Mercadante and and Chimorosa. This is with Chimoni. Only you could do that, Sadie. Only he can do that, but it's that embouchure. And so, how do you keep that embouchure? You know, and and then he's he's also very big on the not moving around, and you know all that stuff with the breathing and the head back, and you know, like you learned, Claire. There was a time when, look at the Berlin Phil, right? There wasn't the moving. And when I was in the Berlin Phil. The first violin, the violins sat on the edge of the chair and played. They didn't all move around. And uh, I, I have to make a point here. When you look at all these people playing and moving around, you have to ask them, where is this getting their, their career? Where is it taking their career to? They forget that the real, yeah, that's it. Well, maybe it doesn't go down, but it's already down. They're trying to get it up and they can't do it because they're, they're doing the wrong thing. They're dancing instead of playing. We want dancing, we'll go to the Bolshoi Ballet and see some good dancing. And since you're online, explain to the flutists that's listening that might be younger and disagreeing with what you're saying, why you don't dance and move when you play. <laughs> Because it disturbs the breathing. Absolutely. And, you know, and quite often, if you shut your eyes, you don't actually hear anything going on. You might right. see you see more than you actually hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love the fact that you stand up there and you just play the music. I mean, when you look at all these big-time singers, they're not prancing around. And even in the opera, whenever they have to, whenever they have to sing a big aria, mm -hmm. they don't. They stop acting and they stand and sing. Yeah, yeah, it's important. But I think I'm really thinking that there's got to be a book soon, Jeannie. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. It's the time. You know, when, when we say about, you know, what are our plans, I think that um, we're hoping that we'll also be ready for when things open up for whatever it may be. Our, our place is very different, and I think that it's been really nice for us to be off the road. It's been a good thing for my husband, health-wise. Traveling is really, really hard, and it's harder when you're older, and um, no matter how many perks you have, 
how many um, like nice VIP things you have to get in and out of an airport. It still doesn't, you know, it's those. It's very, very tiring. One thing also just to the, the student who to put in their little book that we tell them always to write things down, not, not hit them on an iPad, is that, you know, touring itself, that we have that whole routine. And again, it's that, that motto that, you know, prepare, um, preparing to, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And one of these things that we've always done and that Sir James has always done is never try, or especially in the, the last 20 years, never traveled on the on the day of a concert if we cannot okay if we're in london and we have if he was doing something with the london motor players it was two hours away okay in that case but we still get there a few hours early in case there was any um delays or any problems but always uh we get there the day before and always there's a rehearsal the night before and this is on tour there's a rehearsal in the evening from four to six or four to seven and then the next morning sometimes and then the next afternoon again from maybe three until six and an hour break and then the concert and that's on tour that's the result is what you hear and why you see him up there in complete control and uh, a lot of it is and you always have to make sure as you know claire uh, the stage lighting all these things and especially for a young artist they can really throw a young artist off right i mean how many times have you gotten up there and this all of a sudden the lighting is blinding you yeah yeah these sort of things you have to do in a test before i mean but it was my general method of doing things if the concert was 7.30, I would get there at 4, adjust the lights, get the, the sound thing, whatever you have to do, get it all organized. And then I would play straight through the through the whole yeah. program. Then we have a rest at 7.30. A chicken salad. Yeah, chicken salad. <laughs> Somebody put on a, a rider in my contracts that I like to eat a chicken salad. I was I was ready to shoot a next chicken through the head. Well, no, it was just we were going. It's just salad because if you're in America too, you have to say no cheese, no croutons, no sauce, no this and no that. So I figure in the middle of America you can always get grilled chicken. So then one time we were on tour with I forget what orchestra Irish was the Irish, Irish chamber. No, an Irish Polish Polish. No Irish. Well, one of them. Anyway, whenever you're on tour with an orchestra, they get hot meals. And so halfway through, he discovered that the orchestra was getting all these hot meals and he kept getting this chicken salad. And so then we, we changed the routine. Routine. I would rehearse with him in the first bit. While the orchestra was still playing, I'd go and get all the meals before the orchestra got there and bring them back to the room. <laughs> so you learn that. You know, but eating and all. So those are the kind of things we're going to talk about on the Live Learn series. It's all aspects. And, and you know, in a fun way, too. Like, he'll say, oh, remember this, remember that because as you know it's all those aspects that when you walk on the stage you have to deliver and in in a touring is a whole different kettle of fish so uh, one thing also that I had wanted to develop and I hope that we still can is called our professional performance program where we would personally not just mentor because we we mentor now all the time um, but uh, really undertake 
a number of students throughout the year and uh, we would really work with them on every single area of their playing and of their career development because as you know you know once they get out of school and uh, you've got this competition this and that you know we, what is important do you really need that flute do you need that head joint how do you gear even those areas because how many times you know you've had a student says I think I want to go to Kobe but really I don't have money to do I don't want to do that audition nearby I want to go to Kobe it's like well you're going to go to Kobe Japan to listen to a bias adjudication yeah well we don't want to tell them all the bad things but <laughs> but no but but to go a bit because I didn't know these things. No, no, nobody tells you that. Nobody tells you. So it can be that or to, to the placement of the microphones. You know, James Galway has recorded over 75 CDs, more than that. That's just for, for uh, Sony. 73. That's just for Sony, though. That's not your Deutsche Gramophone. No, it's no. for everything together. Um, no, it's not your Berlin Phil ones. Oh, yeah. we're, not, we're not including Berlin. Phil. Yeah, but anyway. Hello. So, so the placement of the microphones. Yeah, very, very important. Just in case somebody gets the wrong idea, the microphone's not for playing, it's for speaking. <laughs> so that they yeah, audience absolutely. Can now listen, have you got any sort of unfulfilled ambitions, either of you, that you'd like to achieve? Yeah, I want to record it, the handle sonata, yeah. but nobody oh. wants to record them. This is his, he's wanted, music, to, he's wanted to do music. this for years. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So that could be next year? Actually, we could do that. You know, we could do that easily because we have that. We just got the harpsichord tuned. <laughs> I don't know why we got the harpsichord tuned. We can't play with the harpsichord. Well, a harpsichord player can wear a mask. Now, would you play the Handel sonatas with cello or bassoon? Yeah, or viola da gamba. Yeah, or viola da gamba, yeah. Viola da gamba would be nice. Get Sarah. That'd be lovely. But you see this using a bassoon instead of a cello. This is another trick that somebody thinks, oh, this will be great. I'll, I'm, I'll definitely get established after this idea. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> the general public don't know the difference between a viola da gamba and a bassoon. No, but I, I think that would be a wonderful project. Yeah, I it think that that's very something excited. that we really still should do, huh? Yeah. I think that'd be really great. It has been something he's brought it up to Deutsche Grammophone, to, to Sony, to everyone, and there's always been silence. <laughs> well, because they want... Maybe they're trying to tell me something. Well, they'd want the crossovers, <laughs> always the crossovers, yeah. you know? Yeah, And I don't um, think people quite understand how wonderful those sonatas are. No, they don't. They're just pieces of music. They don't. I no. think you should push it. I think it would be I tremendous. On our list too. I think also you've never played that tune with Elton John that he wrote for you. Oh, right. But I did play it and it did get a Grammy. Yeah, um, I don't know whether you know, Claire, but one day in the post, it was shortly after we were married, so it's in the 80s, um, came a package and it was it was from the manager of Elton John and Elton had sitting down, sat down at the piano and wrote my husband a tune. Wow. How wonderful. That was his his reach, you know, years ago. And uh, I have many friends, you know, in the pop field or whatever that will come up to me at a concert that we'll be doing and they'll say, can I meet your husband? I'm such a big fan. I'm such a big fan. And I'm like looking at Don Henley from the Eagles and he 
goes, you know, I listen to this music, you know, it's like, and uh, it's far reaching, <laughs> far reaching. And that's what we hope for the students too. And I, I never like to hear these kids say, well, it was a different time. Well, it was this, well, it was that, you know, the world is open and, and you can reach everyone with your music. You know, if you, if you really got something to say, and, and that's what we try to do. We try to get them to, to find their voice and to be able to, you know, just yeah, bring it a, out there. It's a, lov- a lovely thought. Now, I've kept you a long time, but I would love finally to ask, how are you both going to celebrate Christmas? Well, we could show you our house now. It's already <laughs> almost there. Um, <laughs> what's your tree up? Here at home, we're going to get the tree next week. There was a big discussion today about the tree with someone that helps us at home because he was telling me that, oh, Lady Goy, if you get the tree next week, then it's going to be dry from Christmas and you like a really fresh tree because we, we have a forest here and, yes, they do cut it down, but they grow them for for that. We have a beautiful new, like we said, apartment. It's it's not just like an apartment. It has all glass, so we already have outside. We've got, it looks like a, a little ski place, ski resort yeah. with all our lights and we have, so it's very Christmassy. We'll have people over in groups with their masks, maybe. Um, maybe two friends and two other friends just for a drink. Uh, and my husband's children will probably come for dinner one night. But basically, we'll we'll just really be on our own, I think, because of the time that we have. But we'll get our music playing. We had Ella singing the other night, right, Christmas carols. Yeah. We like our, yeah. our Dean Martin and our Nat King Cole and Bing Crosby. And then we get, um, I like Jesse Norman and listen to a lot of music. I always put the James Galway Christmas CDs on. Of course. What else? They're absolutely beautiful. And so we'll decorate. We'll have, uh, it's just, I think it's a time of reflection. For us, I feel it's been a very good year. I want to say something. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Wait, let me just yeah. finish this. I think it's a good year because we're healthy. That's the way I look at it. Yep. Go ahead. You know, the, the most popular CDs on the BBC and Classic FM are the two that I made for Christmas. Yeah. Which were, the music was chosen and orchestrated by a friend of mine called David Overton. And he, I'm sure you don't know his name, but he made a lot a lot of music for the King Singers. He made a lot of those type of arrangements. And he, he did these two CDs for me, and they've been most successful. I think probably the most successful of all the crossovers. It's certainly a lovely thing to listen to this year, I think. And, and we light our candles. We have our Advent wreaths. We're very traditional over here. So, yes, we'll have our Christmas tree with real candles on it. And, um, you know, well, just... I wish you both an absolutely wonderful Christmas. I'm very excited about your your educational plans and and your Handel Sonata plans for next year. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for for giving me this time and chatting to us. It's been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank sure. you, Claire. Thank you. And I look forward to doing our book together. I look forward to that too, oh, really? Lady Jeannie. Sure. Yes, sure. what a project. <laughs> Yes, so so they should go to uh, com, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, we try to do the best we can also to keep in touch with students too, personally. So. You certainly do. You, you, you reach out and you've both given so much and uh, everyone is, is terribly grateful to, to learn from both of you. So wish you a lovely Christmas and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank Goodbye. You. Bye. Bye.
This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at trevorjamesflutes.com.